to another episode of Leeson Learned. Thank you so much for joining me. Once again, I do appreciate it. Uh, you know what? Here's something about me. A little personal uh, uh, thing. I don't know. A little per personal uh, note about me, I suppose. Um, some information about me. When I, I, I have been a, a uh, wrestling fan pretty much my whole life. When I was a kid, started with Hulk Hogan. I remember uh, watching like pay-per-views. I had a friend that had like the pay-per-view box. Remember those? You could own them. You could own those, or you could uh, or you could rent them. And I I forget somehow he, his dad got it. Anyway, he was the guy we all used to go over to his house and watch pay-per-views and um, you know. Watch the then when Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and all that shit happened. When I was in high school, it was really big. It was like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. They called it the Attitude Era. It was the greatest time of uh, of professional wrestling, in my opinion, that I saw. You know, from a kid all the way up to now. And now I kind of keep up with it. Uh, you know, here and there, I like to watch uh, interviews or listen to wrestling podcasts, um, such as Conrad Thompson, who hosts. Uh, Grilling JR, he hosts another one with uh, Bruce Pritchard. I'd love to have any of those uh, people on the show, by the way. So, Conrad Thompson, if you're watching or listening to this, and I'm going to assume you're not, uh, we would love to have you on. Somehow this gets back to you. Love to have you on, JR, Bruce Pritchard, pretty much anybody, uh, you know, at this point. I'm happy to have anybody uh, on the show. But anyways, that doesn't, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about today. When I was like 13, uh, 14 years old, something like that, I used to like to go to local wrestling events, indie wrestling, independent wrestling they called it. And there was this one guy that I saw at a bunch of events, but specifically at the first one I, I went to, I remember this guy coming out, and everybody was okay, everybody was you know decent, but this guy came out and he looked legitimately like he could fucking kill somebody. Actually, what he looked like is that he had just killed somebody and then he told them to play some music and put some lights on and now he's going to go kill another guy, but this time do it in the ring in front of other people. He looked legitimately scary and crazy and I'm not going to lie to you, okay? I was terrified of the guy. He was he was a horrifying, not horrifying, was, he was a terrifying figure. He was scary, especially when you're whatever I was, 12, 13, I don't know. And uh, I, his, and the wrestler that I'm talking about is Notorious T.I.D. That's his, that, that's his wrestler name, right? I saw him again at another event I went to. I saw him later on. Now I'm, now I'm like 19, maybe 20 years old. I'm visiting a buddy who's going to university. We go to Niagara Falls. We go to an event. Boom, there's this guy again. He's a, a grizzled veteran at this point. And now he's, you know, now he looks like he killed two people that day. So I've always, that guy has always, I, he's always kind of stuck out if, if, in, my, in my mind. I've always sort of had, you know, this image of him. A couple years ago, I got the opportunity to go to a place called Crossbody Pro Wrestling and do a video uh, for for my YouTube channel, uh, which you may be on right now, The Jeff Leeson Show. Thank you very much. And if you're not, it'd be great if you'd go subscribe to that. Anyway, 
The two people that own the wrestling school is a guy named Ben Ortmans and another guy named Chris Tidwell, who they called Tid. Tid, of course, being T-I-D. Now, it took me a few minutes because he looks a lot different and when he's the owner of a, of a business and not a guy who's coming out to scare the shit out of children, he acts and looks, you know, quite a bit different. Come to find out, it's the same guy, the same guy that scared the shit out of me as a kid I'm now working with, and we even teamed up and beat uh, in, a, uh, in a wrestling match uh, a guy named Big Ben Ortmans, who's, on a, who's uh, coming up on a future episode of this show. But today, I am very excited to welcome my guest, a guy who scared the absolute living shit out of me as a child, a guy that I used to think probably killed people, and now that I know him, I honestly feel the same way, if I'm being perfectly honest, because that's just how he looks, but he's a great guy, I love him, and I really enjoyed my interview, and I hope you do too, with Chris Tidwell. Chris Tidwell. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Thank you so much for being here, man. No problem. How long have you been in wrestling now? Uh, the answer is too long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, I say probably close to about 25 years now. Wow. Yeah, 24, 25 years, something like that. It's been, uh, it's been a minute, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've always I've, I've been a fan for a hell of a long time. You know, I gr growing up in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, I was very fortunate that I got to go to, you know, a lot of AWA events when they filmed them at the Showboat Hotel. And so that's really where I fell in love with it, with guys like Jimmy Snuka and Colonel De Beers and, you know, the Rock and Roll Express and, and, and the Midnight Rockers. And, you know, every, everything was a, a rocker or an express, it right. seemed like, you know what I mean, back then. So um, that's, that's where I fell in love with it. And, but I didn't really get into it um until i moved to canada when did you move to canada from Vegas? 1988 wow is when i came here yeah i had just uh i had just recently um turned 18 not too long before that um and in a city um you know in a city of like vegas uh, where you got to be 21 to do everything and pretty much anything yeah. back then, right? It wasn't really a family. You had Circus Circus. That was the family place to go to. That's right. bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, so if you're not 21, that 18, 19, 20, when you want to go, you want to do your thing, you want to party, everybody else in the world is, and you can't, you find different ways to, you know, humor yourself. Right. Um, I, I'm not shy about it. I got into trouble uh, as an 18-year-old kid. Who doesn't? You know what I mean? Um, but the trouble that I got into basically, you know, was one of those ones that when you go to the judge and they're like, it's probably a good idea if you don't, uh, you don't be here anymore. <laughs> so you're sitting across a table from a guy who was kicked out of a city called Sin City. That's, yeah, you got to do something pretty serious to get kicked out of <laughs> But it wasn't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I got busted with pot. Back in 1988. That's it? That's it. Well, okay. Jeez. I got busted with pot and four hits of LSD. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. But here's the, like, and, and it wasn't even a large amount of pot or anything like that. You know what I mean? But at the time, it was a federal offense. It wasn't just a decriminalized thing. It was a federal offense. If you got busted with a joint, it was a federal offense, which meant the, the state district attorney had the option of filing charges against you. 
That's so crazy. It is insane when you so think crazy. about how now, yeah. now it's, you know, recreational use. Like, it's completely fine. You can walk down the street smoking a joint in Las Vegas. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, say, oh, I like to look at myself as a pioneer, Jeff. <laughs> right. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> you are. Absolutely a pioneer. Crazy. Um, so for people who are not into wrestling, yeah. right, that, that might be listening or watching this, what is a baby face? Mm -hmm. What is a heel? Um, a baby face is the guy that makes all the money. Um, <laughs> no. A uh, baby face is a good guy. Yep. Heel is a bad guy. Okay. Um, you know, it is, it is the baby face's job to make sure that the, uh, the babies are kissed, uh, the hands are shook, um, and that everybody has a smile on their face. The right. heel's job is to, you know, for lack of a better term, be that dick dastardly, vaudevillian, you know what I mean? Tie yeah. it to the train tracks, kind of do what you got to do without crossing a line. There's still social, you know, social lines that we don't want to cross. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. We live in a different world than we used to back in the day. So nowadays you got to be a little bit more creative if you're a heel rather than just coming out and tossing out F-bombs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Which is, right. which is something that I was very aware of early. Like you talk about when you used to see me early on <clears throat> in my independent wrestling career and stuff like that. Even then, it wasn't a matter of, of coming out and saying a bunch of outlandish things or anything like that. You could still get the point across. And it is, as long as the people know right away what you are, yeah. if you're a good guy or you're a bad guy, then you're doing it right. It seemed to me that people, as soon as you came out, they just knew this guy's a dick. Like, th this guy is obviously a bad guy. It's, it's pretty well written. Right? Like, before, because I seem to remember... You, do, you wouldn't have to say anything, do right. anything. You just walked out your music, then yeah. your look, then your look at the whoever you're trying to intimidate. Right. Seemed to me like everyone here, if they don't even know who you are, they're like, okay, that, that's the guy we're supposed to hate, which was really well done. I took, I took a lot of my, like, a lot of my inspiration, and I don't, you know, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but I take a lot of inspiration back then um, from silent movies, believe it or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you have, you have no choice. Right. There is no voice. You have to sell it with your face, right? right? And it has to be something as, as, as outlandish as a crazy look or as subtle and simple as just, uh, if you come near me, I'm going to bite your face off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and, 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 and watching a lot of things like that, that's where that's where I took a lot of inspiration from because it, it forces you to have to have to sell that with your face, so to speak. You know what I mean? And it saves you from having to say a lot of stuff all the time. Then when you get in the ring and you grab the mic, you've already commanded their presence as a bad guy. Then whatever you say, they're already they're already hating you. Did you know right away you wanted to work heel? No. No, and typically you don't. Um, there's, there's like an unwritten, well, it's a pretty known rule, you know, um, that when you break into the business, typically for years and years and years, the history has always been, you're going to go out there as a, you know, milk-fed baby face. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going to get put out there with a veteran. And that veteran's job is to be the heel and direct you and get you over as a good guy. Because your job as a babyface is to get over as the good guy to the crowd. 
Right. Right. And so if you can, if the, the heel knows how to do that, you don't know how to do that as a green guy. So majority of the time you'd go out there and as a baby face, you just, you got to get beat up. You got to get beat up until you come back just a little bit, beat up some more, come back a little bit more. And then whatever the finish is written, whether the bad guy screws you out of something or you finally overcome the bad guy and get it. Right. Right. You, all you have to do is just, is just be a good guy. Right. So for myself, um, that's what I thought was going to happen. And there was a couple, you know, I had a couple of matches as a baby face. Right. Um, but it became very, very well known, very quick that I had a much better chance of being the heel because uh, a lot of reason because of my size. Uh, over a lot of the other wrestlers that work. It, it makes more sense for me to be that, that imposing you know, figure that they've got to overcome. It's the, it, it, it's the David and Goliath you know, mentality, right? right. You've got right. that smaller person. He's got to overcome this big beast or whatever, right? And, and that worked out perfectly. So did you become a bad guy like, quicker than most would when they get into the business? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think so. You know what I mean? Um, I, there's guys, I mean, there's guys that go 20 years without, you know, working as a, as a bad guy, right? And they don't know how to do it. Um, and then they get thrown into it and they have to do it. I think that for myself, it wasn't, it wasn't very long at all. You know what I mean? And it was like, no, no, this, this, we need to have baby faces beating up this guy. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um, what, what was your, um, you mentioned obviously growing up in Vegas, you yeah. saw a lot of the AWA there. Mm. Was that your first introduction to wrestling? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, uh, it was my first real introduction to wrestling. Um, I had, I had dabbled in watching some stuff, you know, back then it would have been, it was like Don Owen stuff out of Portland, um, uh, that had guys like, um, uh, Billy Jack Haynes, uh, who later was in the WWF, um, Iceman King Parsons, um, Matt Madman um, Matt Bourne, <clears throat> who was later Doink, Doink the, the Clown, clown. Yeah. right? God rest his soul, love Matt to death. Um, those uh, Leap and Lanny Poffo, of course, Macho Man's, Macho Man's brother, brother or yeah, whatever, yeah. right? Um, this is where they were all working in Portland. And then you had like, you know, some of the stuff like the Al Tomko stuff out of Canada as well, Stampede, a couple of little things. But AWA, because it was local and it came to my city in Las Vegas, that was my real introduction. And that was, that was where a lot of like the big time guys were, you know what I mean, at the time. So that was, yeah, that was my first one. And it was, it, was, it started on TV because it was Saturdays, right? And you had that Saturday block of TV that was perfect. It was, it started off with wrestling, pro wrestling, then it went to roller derby, and then it was Benny Hill. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, as a kid, you couldn't get any better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you started off with some good old-fashioned violence that you don't know any better about yet. Okay, some roller derby to kind of keep it going, but buffer it down a little bit. Ended off with some British boobies and Benny Hill. Like, <laughs> what better way can you spend a day as an 11, 12-year-old kid? That is a Saturday right there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what made you decide to go from, like, I like this wrestling stuff. You're, you're obviously a fan. Yeah. What made you decide, I, I want to actually do that? Um, so I, I decided that I, you know, one day wanted to do it 
bef- way before I actually did it. Um, and it was an, it was an AWA show. Um, and it was a Jimmy Snuka match. And Jimmy Snuka at the time was in a feud with Colonel De Beers. Uh, Colonel De Beers played the South African. Uh, he's the bad guy, obviously, you know, militant, uh, army fatigues, the whole thing. Fantastic heel. Um, and during one of these matches, he had come out, started beating up Snuka or whatever, peeled back peeled back the, the, the padding on the outside of the ring, gave him the old, you know, deal into the, into the concrete, into the cement, and Snooka just started bleeding everywhere. And they, they ended up stretching him out and taking him to an ambulance. And that, at that time, I was looking at that going, holy crap, this is a spectacle. This is, this is unbelievable that this is, this is happening in front of me. I can't believe I'm seeing this kind of violence in right. front of me as a kid. And then I'm looking around at the crowd, and I'm like, people are eating this up. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable how people aren't, they're not worried about this person. They're, they're encouraging this kind of behavior, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? But as, as humans, as humans, you would think when you see somebody busted open like that, you're like, oh my God, that person needs help. Yeah. These people were like, yeah, kill him. More. Right? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Come on, Snooka, get up and beat his ass. I can't do nothing. And at that point, I was like, that that is a commanding thing that is that is that is to me is more commanding than than being in a movie it's more command because it's live it's it's even more commanding to a, to a, an extent than being a rock star yeah because you're the one telling that live story in front of these people and it's your job to get them to react that way these guys made them react that way i wasn't smart enough to know you know what I mean? What was what at the time? But I knew that this was something, this was something I needed to know so much more about. Yeah. And it wasn't until I came to Canada and uh, a friend of mine at the time uh, was training, but everybody that he was training with was so much smaller than him. And he was like, "Hey, I want to invite you out, you know, to train and stuff like that." Went with him, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this." And that's when I ended up hooking up with uh, uh, Waldo von Erich and uh, Johnny Canine, of course, and I got a real introduction uh, into professional wrestling. Um, first day out, knocked myself out. How? Uh, taking a bump. Uh, a bump, falling to your back, you know, the, the falls that we do in professional wrestling yes, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. <clears throat> Coming from the world that I came from, real fighting, real bodyguarding, you're thinking you're, you, you, have a certain, you have a certain ego that you have to maintain. Yeah, you know what I mean. Even around these people, because I'm a grown man, when I'm getting into this, I'm not just some little kid or whatever, right? Yeah, I I know this wrestling stuff. I, sure, I'm familiar with it. And they're like, okay, do you know how to you know how to bump? You know how to take a bump? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> right? I've seen it. I've studied it. I can do this. And I jumped up as high as I possibly could. It wasn't, you know, how we train people to learn how to fall. Now they're like, okay, smart ass. Let's see what you fucking know, right? right? And I jumped up as high as I could. And I threw myself back. And I came back. And I forgot the first thing that we teach everybody. Because nobody taught me. I was just paying attention and thought that I knew everything. And that was tuck your chin. And I did not do that. And my head went smashing back. And I was out cold. And I thought for sure that was going to be the end of it. You know, you wake up, you're like, where's my dog? You know, you don't know what's going on. And there was a moment they're like, you okay? And they're kind of chuckling about it. Like he's done, he's out or whatever. And that's when your ego kind of sets in. You're either going to go one way or the other. And mine said, no, you're not going to laugh me out of this. 
right. I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? And as soon as you did that, okay, you're accepted. Let's do this. Let's teach you some stuff. Yeah. Wow. And so how long from uh, knocking yourself out that first day to actually getting in the ring for like a, an actual match? Oh, geez. A solid year. Solid year of, of just training? Of, of training and just just learning as much as I possibly could, and yeah. you know, um, like constantly putting in the time. You know, that's really the most important thing because <clears throat> the only way we get better at stuff is by repetition, by right. doing it over and over and over again until it just becomes inherent or second nature, so to speak. Right, and I, I truly believe that, and I still do when I teach. So that was my mentality is like, I, I have to be here all the time. And I was, I was driving, you know, I taught the person who owned the school, the Hart Brothers school. I, you know, talked them into giving me a vehicle so that I could drive from Toronto and back. Now at the time, you're probably saying, how, oh, why the fuck is this guy giving somebody a vehicle? What's, what did they get out of it? Right. At the time, I also happened to be doing uh, a uh, online radio show, the very first ever online radio show wow. uh, the the first podcast ever so to speak before it was even that um on virtually canadian radio which was this online radio station and it was a show called live audio wrestling the law uh that later went on to be on like fan 590 for a while and all these other things and there was some in you know different different cast yeah. uh, so to speak before it finally ended or whatever but where it first started was myself um big daddy donnie abreu started this show on on uh, virtually Canadian called Live Audio Wrestling. So the owner of the Hart Brothers School was like, hey, scratch your back, scratch mine. And I said, okay, well, you're going to have to scratch a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you want us to promote your stuff on, on this show. All right. I'm going to take advantage of having a place to train. Wow. Right. So, yeah, just got to get your hustle on, man. That's great, yeah. yeah. And the Hart Brothers, uh, the Hart Brothers Wrestling School, mm -hmm. you said, are the, is that like Hart as in Brett, Bret Hart family? Yeah, or? yeah. It, it is. It was. It was part of the family when it first started off. It was, <clears throat> it, you know, it it actually had a lot more to do with uh, that family than when it ended. The person who uh, the person who ran it. Uh, who owned that school was a guy by the name, name of Joe Frocklidge, uh, a gigantic um, walking turd, <laughs> so to speak. Okay. Right? Like yeah. if if um, if Jabba the Hutt were a real human, um, that would be him. That'd be this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just just a con artist and a swindler, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, if if you could see it right away. And we're smart enough to know that he has some things around him that you can use to your advantage, which yeah. is exactly what I did, then it works. But a lot of people go into training to become a professional wrestler with their eyes wide open and they don't understand. It's just a deer in the headlights and they get taken advantage of by people like that. There seems to be a lot of that in the uh, wrestling industry where, yeah. where people will take advantage of, you know, like somebody wants to be a wrestler, they own a wrestling school, but it's not a real, you know, wrestling right. school. It's not a, a recognized wrestling school. I got school. a ring set up in my backyard. You should come down on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. We're going to be training. I'll teach you how to be a wrestler. Like I remember, what's that? What's the one? Um, uh, oh, Beyond the Mat. 
Sure. Where they show the guy who has like a wrestling school. He's like this big fat guy, and it's like obviously in some like weird warehouse. Right. And he's got his two star students, but it seemed like they were alluding to the fact that he was fucking everyone else out right. of money. Yeah. But let these guys do it for free because he thought they had a shot. And, and those guys knew right away that they were better than everybody else. And right. you just use these, you'd use all of these bodies to come in to help you train to get better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's kind of the shadiness that's always, you know, and it's not just, it's not just professional wrestling. There's oh, a yeah. ton of different things. Every industry has somebody shady who's going to try to circumvent and, and, and take advantage of people that truly want to do it. Absolutely. You yeah. know what I, I mean? I mean, when I was a kid, like, I got into stand-up when I was 14. Right. By the time I was 17, I was having a meeting with an agent. But it was one of those agencies that you get, they bring you into their office, and they're like, all right, for $2,000, yeah. we'll get you pictures, we'll get you... Uh, video, uh, demo reel, but you got to give it to us right now. There's no guarantee, but we're going to work for you. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough, like my my mom and grandma at the time were like, you're not doing this. This, right. is, this is a scam. But I really wanted to be in the industry and I had no idea. And that same exact thing, like they, yeah. they prey on people like that, which is which is terrible. But, you know, as long as you're smart enough to kind of figure that out early, then exactly you, know, you can kind of distinguish who's real and who's fucking full of shit right you know? and yeah. you can see you can see how these kids lose all of their bar mitzvah money like in you know yeah. one day right yeah so it's it's crazy it's crazy when you learn about it and i knew about there's modeling agencies that have been doing this stuff for for oh, decades yeah, like yeah. that they'll you know rent I mean? out a banquet hall at a hotel or something right? and everyone that comes in they're like you have such a look yeah but really it's you have a look but if you give me Three thousand yeah. uh, dollars. I'll yeah. uh, do nothing. You're right. But, I yeah. have a look. You've just given me the speech, and the look is, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in those uh, in those early days yeah. of of the kind of the first few matches that you were in, um, how many injuries do you sustain early on by just kind of a misstep or not? Sure. You know, cause not quite I, knowing I what the fuck you're takes, doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would right. assume it takes so long to learn how to really do this properly. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the biggest things is footwork. And nobody out the gate has proper footwork. Right. You know what I mean? Unless, unless now you're seeing some people that are training people the right way to let them know that footwork is one of the most important things. Back then, that wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? So uh, there's a lot of missteps. There was also there was also the, the 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 fact that like we're talking like late '90s, early 2000s. So there was a great big huge push for what was you know what's called hardcore wrestling. Oh right, you had of like course. your ECWs of the way. It was yes. huge popular. This was you know you had your FMWs. At, uh, 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 there was a company I forget uh, APW or something like that out of out of California. ECW of course. It was a huge thing because wrestling was going on. And it was all of these gimmick you know kind of things with with clowns and army guys and hillbillies and you right. know what I mean. And then these other guys were coming along and they're like, no, we're gonna add some street to this. Yeah. And so hardcore wrestling was a real thing. Um, so you had indie promoters, right? And they wanted to emulate the stuff that was very popular on TV because that's what draws the crowds in their eyes. That's what they wanted to do. Sure. Not a lot of people are willing to put their bodies on the line like that. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to sometimes take that shot or know how to make it look believable enough so that you're not getting hurt. Right. Because, I mean, you're really getting hit with a, a chair, a yeah. road sign, a, yeah. like a Kendo garbage stick. can barbed wire, stuff like that. Yeah. The trick for us as promoter, as performers <clears throat> is to be able to know and learn how to do this stuff safely. Yeah. Nobody teaches. I'm not teaching any of our kids how to, you know, all right, today we're going to learn how to do pile drivers into barbed wire. Right. Uh, it, no, nobody teaches that. It, that's something that you learn on the job, yeah. basically. You learn that on the job by talking to people who have already done stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So, and if you don't have that kind of that kind of uh, person to talk to or people to talk to, you're kind of screwed. You're just going out there as a glorified backyard wrestler. Right. You know what I mean? Who's just taken a beating for the crowd for absolutely nothing. So, early on, early on, I'm willing to do this. I know how to. I know how to take a shot. I also know how to protect myself properly going into this already. Right. Sure. You want me to be that part of the show? No problem. This is what it's going to cost you, right? right. And because you, you have to be, then that's where the business comes in. So they're willing to do that. However, a lot of times you may not know the person that you're in there with and their competency level being the same as yours. So yeah, all of a sudden, you know, you turn a little bit like this and they just waffle you with something, you know, and you're going, holy crap. You're trying to, you know, pick out which bird is the right one that you're seeing right there, you know, because you got blindsided with something. Yeah. Um, so early on, a lot of concussions. I had a trip one time where I took a bad chair shot um, to the top of the head, which wasn't even a folding chair. It was like a, somebody's fucking recliner or something like that. The, oh. the other guy I was working with picked it up and turned and bang, hit me in the top of the head. Ended up just blood everywhere of course finished the show we were supposed to go to detroit for a show the next day i stopped in toronto because that's where i was living at the time uh, to get some sleep before we hit the road my girlfriend um, wakes up before i do and she's like hey you uh you got to hit the road here and i'm like um I'm feeling so I don't know if I'm going to make this or not. Give me a second here. And she kind of wakes up and looks over and the entire pillow is covered in blood oh. at this point. And she loses it, freaks out. What the hell happened? Oh my God, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. She gets on the phone with her friend who's a nurse right away. And she's like, hey, okay, outside of letting them sleep, how can you tell if somebody's got a concussion or not, right? Yeah. We go in to try to clean up the wound a little bit, and at this point, it had literally, like, separated, like, like Teutonic plates on the earth, oh. you know what I mean? So it was, so she's trying to push this piece back down into place, and in doing so, I'm like, okay, Okay, somebody's shutting out the lights. We got to stop this right now. Oh. So I had a very, you know, a severe concussion at the time from it. Um, that was really the biggest injuries out the gate. You know what I mean? Was yeah. concussions because you'd get hit with stuff or not, or not get a hand up in time or just, you know, oversell trying to make it look as believable as possible. So you'd take it, so to speak. What is the proper way to take a chair shot? 
Like, if you're if you are gonna get hit with a chair right. in a match, is there a way to do defend it? yourself? Just like hand up, type yeah. Of deal defend or, yourself. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna stand there and you know see something coming at your face and just take it, then you deserve to get hit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to defend yourself. So, I mean, if you can get a hand up, if you can get an arm up, something like that, just to kind of help cushion that blow a little bit, it's yeah. obviously going to help. But and I mean, is there's... the goal to do it as quickly as possible so nobody sees it? So it's like kind of last minute you want to throw that up? I mean, that's, that... that's kind of our goal in, in all of wrestling. Right. Is everything that we do, and you know what I mean, we want to, we want to try to hide the magic so to speak right you know what i mean but still keep it safe and and the, and and we don't have the luxury of we don't have the luxury of editing we don't have the luxury of stopping film and picking up another camera angle so that it looks like the person's getting hit sure you know what i mean we are we are on the spot stuntmen with uh without this amount of padding and cables you know what i mean so yeah, yeah sometimes so and this is this is what i say about the world of professional wrestling is is you find out that like there's a lot of legitimately tough people in the world of professional wrestling absolutely you know what i mean there has to be you have to be because yeah. you're going to get hurt right there's just it, that's an enough yeah there's no way around that like that's like saying you're going to go play you know okay i'm going to get into playing professional football but i don't want to get tackled right well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to get tackled in here. You're going to get hurt. The, you know, try to, try to alleviate severe injuries. You know what I mean? Try to make sure that you keep yourself as safe as possible. Sure. Um, and don't put yourself into a position where you're uncomfortable and you feel like you're going to seriously get hurt. This episode of Leeson Learned is sponsored by the Big Fish Steak and Lounge in Sarnia, Ontario. One of my personal favorite restaurants in, in the world. I was gonna say in the country, but no, in the world. They have some of the greatest food I have ever had. Every single time I eat there, I think to myself, it will never get better than what I have just eaten. And the next time I go back, they top it once again. It's that good. If you live in the Sarnia area, make sure you book your reservation for lunch or dinner, or hell, book your reservation for both right now. Do it tonight. What are you gonna cook for dinner tonight probably something awful don't do that head on over to the big fish steak and lounge if you don't live in sarnia i suggest you make a trip down just for the food or if you're going to be in the area stop in and have one of the greatest meals you will ever have this episode is also sponsored by the carlot etc in sudbury ontario where they make buying your next vehicle very very easy let's say you go online you find a vehicle that you want to test drive but you can't quite make it in no problem at all they will bring the vehicle to you so you can take that test drive right from your own home they do have the largest used truck inventory in the north they also have the best selection of cars suvs and vans if you're like me and your credit is let's say not great that's no problem they do have options for everyone. You can also trade in your vehicle. They offer the best trade-in value in the North. So head on over to the website, thecarlot.ca, and book a test drive right now. This episode of Lease and Learned is sponsored by Cook'em Secret 
and G's Carpet Cleaning and Services. For all your cleaning needs, contact G's Carpet Cleaning and Services. And for your personal well-being, contact Cookham Secret Sonotherapy with Drumming at g2cleaningservice.com. I got a chance to actually go up to Timmins and uh, take part in the sonotherapy and the drumming. It was extremely relaxing. I recommend it highly. Head on over to g2cleaningservice.com and book your time today and make sure you get some cleaning done while you're there. What's the, um, what's the craziest uh, injury you've ever seen that was at a live show that you were at? Not necessarily something you were even involved in, just something you're like, I can't even believe I just witnessed that. Um, there's levels of crazy. Right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I'd say the, one of the stupidest things that I've ever seen um, was seeing a wrestler ask another wrestler to cut them with a like one of the little with, oh it wasn't or? a small blade it was a full-on blade because oh, they like, wanted to know what it was like they were a green wrestler and they wanted to bleed but couldn't do it themselves because normally just to give sure sort of an insight normally if you're going to bleed in a match mm -hmm the person that is going to bleed would do it themselves, right? They would have, like, yeah. something to give Yeah, like, give we're not little... giving away any secrets here. Right, Everybody right. knows all of this stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wrestlers have, have, have there have been guys that'll keep them in, inside of the, the tape on their fingertips or whatever, right. or inside of their wrist tape when it comes time. They, you know, will use it, do the job, right? Get the, get the color get flowing. Get some color, as Get they some say. color going, yeah. right? And then gain sympathy from it. Right, right, right. Right, that's yeah. the biggest thing. Oh my God, he's made him bleed now. He's gonna die any minute. Ah, right. look at him, he's coming back. Ah, right, it's fantastic. But I saw a wrestler say that to another wrestler that they want, can you cut me? And that wrestler said, no problem, and did. How bad? Buckets bad. Ugh. Like, buckets bad. Like, he was standing there, and it wasn't just running down his face and falling off his chin. It was literally shooting out about a solid two oh, inches fuck. from the forehead and just pouring out. Yeah. It was so bad that I saw him on a show the next day, and it was still bleeding. Jesus. It hadn't even coagulated enough to stop bleeding. This is not televised. This is, no. like... No. And I assume this guy didn't get paid a shit ton of money no, to do he this. made he made 50 bucks. That's fucking you know? crazy, And man. it was in front of it was in front of, you know, 500 people, yeah. maybe, you know? Oh, <laughs> so man. so that to me, that's some of the craziest shit because it's just plain stupid. Yeah, that's I've seen accidents happen. Right. You know what I mean? I've been a part of them. I've caught on fire inside of a wrestling match. You personally? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How did that, was it a, like an inferno match or something? No, it was a it was a spot where there was a garbage can lid laying in the ring. Person I'm wrestling against puts some lighter fluid in it, lights it as you do, right? Yeah. Because um, there's no point in putting lighter fluid in it if you're not going to light it. Well, no, that's just silly. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's just a silly thing. Wasteful. To yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. There's Zippo starving in South Africa. Ah, oh, what anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he lights it. We do this spot. 
and I end up taking, taking a fall into that garbage can lid. And when I did, when I did- Front, front uh, or back? Front. Oh man. Front. Okay. And I was still wearing a shirt at the time, right? Cause it was early on, ding, ding, ding. We do the thing. I land in this thing, I take the bump, I roll out of it right away, and I'm engulfed in fluid and flames, and I'm rolling. And all of that stuff they told you as a kid, that stop, drop, and roll thing, is a fucking lie. <laughs> it did not work at all. Oh, the only no. thing that worked was the guy I was working with in the ring was smart enough at the time to basically splash me and splash out the fire on, on me. Jesus. So it could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah. Accidents do happen. You're going to get hurt. Yeah. But don't put yourself in a position like you're a fucking idiot and ask somebody to cut you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if that's the case, don't. Were Just you don't. burned? No. Did you have burns? No, or? I was very lucky. Wow. And, and, that's, and that's, that's kind of a thing with lighter fluid. It, it, it evaporates and burns very quickly. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like gasoline. Right. That's a different story. Yeah, because that, that would have, like, yeah. you, you would have been in a lot oh, of yeah. trouble. Ga right? Yeah, gasoline will burn your skin oh. before, you know what I mean? Just, just without it being lit, it'll burn you. That's brutal, man. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you've ever either been hit with or hit someone else with? Slice match? of pizza. <laughs> you hit someone with a slice of pizza? Yeah. <laughs> just like that in so, the face or how, so, how did that happen? So I'm, 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 working, <laughs> I'm working a match against, uh, against ECW uh, superstar Mikey Whipwreck. You uh, worked with Mikey Whipwreck? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Fantastic dude. Um, was this in ECW or is this no, a random? this was on an, on an like indie show. Like an indie show? show? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're, we're, we're doing the match and we're inside of this bar and this bar has these, these platforms uh, around the dance floor where the where the ring was set up yeah platforms around there and people are all gathered and they're standing there with their drinks and we start fighting from top of platform to top of platform nice and at one point he gives me like three dusty elbows in a row that anybody knows who dusty Rhodes is you know the the big roll up and the elbow to the head yeah oh yeah he, like three of them in a row and i'm I'm rocking, I'm reeling, I'm ready to go down, right? Yeah. Nothing. Finally, he reaches down and grabs a drink from some girl. Dang, hits me in the forehead with this drink. And I take a bump off of this thing. And he comes down after me, he's like, really? Dusty would kill both of us if he knew you no-sold three elbows and bumped on a drink. And I was like, that's nothing. Wait till you see the receipt on this. And we start fighting around the, fighting around the bar some more. And we're just having a great time putting on a show people are cheering yeah and I reach over I go here it comes and I see this person who's got a slice of pizza and I grab this pizza and I haul off right between the liquors on him and he bumps and falls off of this thing he's like I fucking hate you I hate you so fucking much right now I'm like but you're gonna win let's go and off we wow. went yeah so uh, silly stuff like that fun times yeah you know what I mean um, was it, the person mad you grabbed their pizza or were they like, yes? On these shows like that, they're just happy to be part yeah, of I the seem show. Like, it seems to me like wrestling fans, like you could take whatever from them yeah. and they, they wouldn't even care. They just And again, like, yes. this, was at that, this was at that time and era where that was a norm. Right, right. You know what I mean? You'd have people sitting in the audience and stuff like that with, with objects that they would show up with, you know, and hey, use my sign. Yay. Wow. Yeah.
That's so, that's wicked. A <laughs> slice of pizza. A slice of pizza. That's crazy, man. Um, now, so you mentioned working with Mikey Whipwreck. Mm-hmm. Um, who else have you uh, worked with that would be sort of well-known? Um, I mean, there's been a laundry list of guys anybody you know, that, that come through. Was there anybody that you worked with that people would know? Or not, not necessarily even famous. I mean, Mike, Mikey Whipwreck is sure. known if you liked ECW, sure. and obviously he was very, yeah. you know. Um, is there anybody like that that you've worked with that was Jimmy just a, Snuka later in life? You know what really? I mean? Yeah, uh, honky that must tonk, have been cool, especially tonk knowing man. that he was like the, one the, of the first. The Snuka thing was was kind of surreal. It's almost like the first time that that you meet him is really cool because you you know you don't meet him as a fan. Yeah. you meet him as a as a coworker. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that was that. Did was, you wrestle him, or were you just on the same yeah. card? Yeah. Oh no. wow! Yeah. Did you beat him? No. He beat you? Of course. He was the guy brought in to beat up the bad guy, remember? Right. Right? Yeah. He comes in <laughs> to take care of Notorious yeah, TID. exactly. Was that in Canada? Yeah, it was in Canada. Yeah. Wow. That was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I believe in uh, London. No as a kidding. Of fact, yeah. London, Ontario. Yeah. Were you guys doing the, uh, the old London Gardens? I want to say that one was at a place, I want to say it was an outdoor bar called Seeps. You wrestled at the seeps? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We tried to convince Jimmy to jump off the roof because we were out on the patio where we had set up the ring there, and they've got that, like, garage there, and then you've got the building, yeah. you know, the covered part. So upstairs, if you, you can climb out the window onto the roof because upstairs was what we used for the dressing room. We tried to convince Jimmy to jump off of the roof to do the thing, and he was like, nah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> was, there, uh, was there anybody that you worked with that was just, like, a complete dick to you? I mean, one of my first one of my first matches that I had, um, I had an unexpected run-in uh, from a a name, I guess you could call it. Right, uh, I'm working the match. The match was the drizzling shits. It was horrible. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I see somebody come walking from the back down there, and they jump up on the apron, and it's Duke the Dumpster Drossy. <laughs> Oh, no shit. And he jumps on the apron and he says, come here. And I walk over and he cuffs me upside the head and goes, finish this fucking match. That's how bad the match was. Wow. So I did. I finished the match and I'm mad because I, 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 I'm green and I don't know why this is happening to me, but I'm, I'm, but I'm a grown ass man at the time who knows how to fight. Now I'm, now I'm mad. I'm <laughs> You're going to fucking kick the fight shit out this of guy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get back through the curtain and I'm looking for him. He's sitting in the corner and he's laughing. I'm like, what the fuck? And he looks at me and goes, Canine told me to do it. And Johnny Canine, who was the guy who, you know, broke me in, so to speak. Right. And I look over and I'm just like, and there's not, at that point, there's nothing you can do. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. So you just got to eat it as a green kid and be like, all right, fine, no problem. But it was just one of those, and all the guys were laughing and stuff like that. So to me, to me, it was, it was, it could have been a very humiliating experience, but I took it as a learning experience. Right, right. You know what I mean? They, they knew I didn't need to be out there embarrassing myself and the business anymore. <laughs> so they stopped it and taught me a lesson, so to speak. Right, and, right. And I was very grateful for that. When you're doing a match with somebody, because mm-hmm. I assume on a lot of, uh, I guess especially indie shows, there's not a lot of time to plan it out like sure. how long does it take to 
Or do you even sit down with somebody and plan it out, or is it all called in the ring? Depends. On it depends. Experience, uh, I guess? On experience, a yeah. lot of times. Like, there's, you know, there's guys that can go in there, and there's a lot of guys that prefer to go in there and just call it on the fly. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's guys that want to sit down and they want to know, okay, I'm doing this, and then I'm doing this, and then I'm doing this. Right. I've had times, I've had both. I've had times where, you know, I've walked into the building as my music is hitting. <laughs> right. Look at the board. What's the finish? Okay, cool. How much time? Cool. See you out there. Who's my ref? Cool. No problem. And I can take care of that now. Um, and then I've had other times where I've had guys come up to me and they want to talk about the match, you know, three, four, five, six times to make sure that they got their stuff right, you know. Right. And I always try to tell people, I go, yeah, that's cool. But remember, anything can happen. Right. Things can change. You have to be able to adapt and not be stuck like a deer in the headlights right. when it does. Right. So don't get don't get too too married to the it's going to be this way or it's not going to be any way at all. Leave room for a little improv Always. improvisation. In Absolutely, that match. you have yeah. to, right? And I guess a, a lot of that would depend on the the crowd too. Like you guys yeah. have to really be listening to what are they. You know, how are they feeling and yeah. what are they popping on and stuff like that? How are they reacting and to it? And then where are we going to go exactly. right from there? Exactly. Do you prefer one way or the other? Do you prefer the calling it in the ring over the planning or do you... Depends on who I'm working with on that night. Right. You know right. what I mean? If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm working with a guy who I know works that style that they just want to call it in the ring and stuff like that, I'm fine with that. Um... If I if I'm working with somebody with less experience, you know, or it's my job to get that person over, I want to make sure that they know what they're doing and they're comfortable doing what they're doing. Right. And I'll ask somebody, I'll be like, that's one of the reasons you'll see that like older wrestlers, when they're talking to the young ones, they're like, how many matches have you had? Because you can kind of gauge from that point what their experience level might be. Sure. You know what I mean? Not how long have you been working, because I don't give a shit. You can be working 20 years and only have five matches. Exactly, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I want to know how many matches you've had. Right. Right? And then I can gauge, okay, how much am I going to have to communicate this match with this person? Absolutely. Uh, you know what I mean? Or do they come with a reputation already that they, that they kind of know what they're doing in there? Right. You know, there's a local, uh, Cody Diener is a guy that I use as an example. Who's um, in uh, Impact He's in now, Impact right? now yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, right? Cody Diener. Mm -hmm. was on a show mm -hmm. that I saw you at. Right. Now, this was later, though. This was, uh, I, my buddies were, it was in Niagara Falls. Okay. My buddies went to uh, Brock. Yeah. And we just happened to hear about an indie wrestling thing. Oh. And so. At Isaac's. No. Isaac, at the pub? At the, no, at it the wasn't, college? It wasn't oh, there. Okay. But I have performed there at, uh, at Isaac's. I've done stand-up there. I started a fire in there. Did you really? Yeah. As <laughs> part of a match or just in general? Yeah. No, we caught the ring on fire. <laughs> is this a different time? Like, oh, yeah. This is yeah, a completely yeah, yeah, different yeah, thing than yeah, before. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I also worked New Jack at Brock University in that pub, another ECW Who's a guy. fucking lunatic? Um, some would say that. Yeah. I think he's a sweetheart. Right. Um, hopefully he doesn't listen to this because he's got a reputation to uh, uphold. And he'll yeah, be like, if he don't is, ever I'm call just me joking. A, don't ever call me a sweetheart. I'm joking, too. Oh, he's really not a fucking you. That's that's the most hilarious thing about wrestlers is they're angry when you give them a, a compliment. Right? Like, no, he's actually a really nice guy. Would you shut the fuck up? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So you were saying Diener. Yeah, so, De so Cody Diener was in, um, I, I feel like he was in the main event at that time because he was just sort of, 
He had a name in Canada. He yeah. was the champion of two, I think, two indie promotions or something. So he had the two belts and okay. stuff. And then something happened with a guy in the audience where he ended up, the guy took a swing at Cody. So Cody was like chirping him or whatever. And then Cody, I I can't remember exactly what happened, but I'll never forget the guy took this like serious swing and then security came over and was like, you can't do that. And the guy's like, he hit me first. I had a right. And I'll never forget that line from this random dude in the audience yeah. who like was a grown adult who didn't know you cannot hit the guy. Right. And I mean, if he touched him, he he poked his Sure. You know what I mean? It wasn't he didn't hit him in the face. He didn't push him down. It was like maybe one of those sure. pokes on the chest or whatever. And I mean this guy was ready to to kill him and I've I've always and every time I see uh like an impact thing pop yeah. up where it's Cody Dinner, I'm like he hit me first. Right. I had a right. I had a right. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so if I'm working with a guy like him, I know because I've worked with Cody so many times over the years, yeah. we've been in the ring together like numerous amounts of times. I know that I can see him as we're going to the ring and be like, finish? Cool. Good? Good. Feel good tonight? Yeah. Cool. Let's go do this. Right. And we can go out there and do our thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's certain levels with certain people. Right. And you just kind of get to know it. Sure. Right? Now, when you're calling a match, like when you use the term calling a match, mm -hmm. right? Is it, am I telling you what I'm going to do to you? Or am I telling you what I want you to do to me? Or is it, it does it go both ways? Um, some of us swing both ways. And this is about the, wrestling, and, Chris. Oh, We're talking about wrestling and, now. In the match, yeah. Yeah, in the match. Uh, <laughs> Please, stay focused. <laughs> Sorry, it's your blue eyes. No, um, there, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, it depends on who you're working with. Right. You know what I mean? If, if I am, like we talked about earlier, when you break into the business um, and you're that green as grass baby face and you're working with an older guy who's calling that match to you right. in the ring, he's telling you what he wants you to do. And then he's also going to tell you what he wants you to do to him. Right. So right? he's calling the he's, whole... He's right. pacing the entire thing because there's... There's always going to be a formula to wrestling matches. Sure. You know what I mean? When you watch them, if, if you study tape, right, and you watch these matches, you'll notice that there's always some kind of basic formula to telling this story. And if you're a green as grass rookie, right, you don't know what that formula is and when to put the pieces into place. Sure. So he's telling the entire story and using you as a prop. When you're uh, talking about the finish, mm -hmm. right, of a match, which obviously part of that is you know who's, who's going over, who's mm -hmm. winning, right? But when you talk about a finish, do you know, um, okay, starting at this point, we're going to do A, B, C, and D, and that'll get us to a finish? Or are you just talking about here's who's winning? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Um, again, again, different levels. Like if I know... I can, I can say to somebody, what's your finish? And then I know now, because of my experience, what types of sequences can get me to that spot? What kind of different stuff we can do to get me to that spot? Right. But there are guys that have, like, this is their sequence that they do 
every time to get him to that finish. Hulk Hogan was a perfect example. Right. You know what I mean? As soon as you saw that where he was hulking up and blocked a couple of shots, and then it's punch, 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 and then it's big finger point, another big punch, you bump, another big punch, you bump, you take, it throws you off the ropes, hits you with that big boot, and that leg drop is coming. You know from the time that he's hulking up, that's the start of the sequence for him to finish this match. And you knew the end was you near knew for, it was that, coming, for that guy. Right? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Um, what was your, or what is your finishing move? Have now, you always done the same thing? or now, it No, it's, 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 <laughs> it's changed over time. Um, when I first started, I used to do a, head, a diving headbutt off the top. Oh, wow. As really? a finish. Yeah. That was your finish? Yeah. Oh. Um, and then I broke my neck. Doing that? No. Um, broke my neck in a match, uh, literally working in an arena, fighting on the outside. I get thrown into the, uh, into the, uh, bench, yeah. like over the boards. It was a hockey arena over the boards into the bench part. And when I came down, I went to catch myself by putting my hand down on the bench. It slipped off the edge of the bench and I came down, Oh, broke no. my C6 and C7. Finished the match, made it back to the back, collapsed when I got to the back. They took me to a hospital. It was all French-speaking hospital, and I'm still in my, like, gear, still in wrestling gear, and I don't speak a lick of French. But they got me in, like, into the tube right away, took care of me. It was fantastic. Um, So, yeah, I used to do that until that happened, and then I changed that up, and I I started doing uh, a muscle buster. Uh, for a finish uh, that I stole from a Mexican wrestler named Ricky Marvin. What's the muscle buster? So it's basically um, for people that don't, you know Samoa Joe is. Yeah, yeah. The finishing move that he does where he puts them in the small package, kind of hold on their shoulders, then he falls back with it. Yes, yeah. Similar to that. The reason he falls back with it is because he's told to. The, The original incantation of the move right, uh, comes from this guy, Ricky Marvin. And the way that I did it was exactly like his, where you got him up there like that and you sit. Like you sit straight down, collapsing them down, right? Oh, shit, yeah. I did that for the longest time until I messed my back up because I did a gauntlet match, which is one of these matches where you wrestle like five, six guys, one right after the other. Right, right. The last guy I did it to was this dude named Tubby Baby Jamie Jackson, as I would call him. God rest his soul. Um, And when I came down and I sat, I felt my spine do this big arc like a pregnant horse. Oh, no. And I couldn't even get breath. And it was probably about a solid 10 weeks of rehab and trying to get myself back into, you know, without a lot of Robaxaset and vodka and cranberries and numerous other things to help alleviate the pain. Um, So I changed that up and I still did the same finisher, but now I would drop down to my knees rather than sit out of it. So you can take a lot of the, it's, it's a really ugly, ugly looking finish. Everybody who's taken it, it looks like you're dead. Right. It looks like you're absolutely dead, but that's the purpose of a finish. Right. You're not supposed to be able to get up from it. Right. Right. right? Um, and then recently, uh, I started doing a choke slam for a finish, as well. Nice. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's very nice. I can get people nice and high for it. It's a nice, easy bump. It looks fantastic and devastating. People are familiar with it, uh, so they're a lot more, you know, a lot more 
prone to take it rather than a lot of guys are like, I've never taken a muscle buster before. I'm like, you'll be fine. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does the, the I've seen, I've, I know the Samoa Joe way that he does it, but yep. I have seen the sit down yeah. sort of version of it. And it does look really gross. It is. And I guess that's the point, right? Of, of the finishing yeah. move. You want it to look as devastating 100%. as possible. Why should they be able to get up after that? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, and if, if the uglier it looks, uh, the, the chance that you're sitting there just, you know, you got that, the crowd is just cringing going, oh my God, he's dead. Yeah. Literally dead. Yeah. Obviously you've done your job and you don't need to do any more in the story. Right. What's one move um, <coughs> somebody has given you, whether as a finisher or a regular move, mm -hmm. that they fucked up and ended up doing something, a lot more harm than they should have? I took a pedigree which is Triple H's finisher. Yeah. I took that from a guy one time, a uh, piece of shit, um, <laughs> who wore two knee braces. And we're talking the oh, old God. school, like, metal knee braces. Yeah. Um, and did not know the concept of working a match very well. Um, and when he hit his, his legs were as tight as can be to my ears and literally cut the sides of my head, oh. like with these knee braces, yeah. uh, I was, I was pissed afterwards and it took some people, you know, for me to not kick the shit out of him back in the locker room. But yeah, stuff like that, just, you know, for the most part, I've always been pretty lucky yeah. um, that anytime I've ever really been injured, it's been off of an accident. Right. Right. Um, some of that may have to do with the fact that people don't want to get beat up in the back afterwards. How often does that happen, by the way, where after a match in the ring, people go backstage and based on something that happened in there, there's a real fight in, in the back? Not nearly as often as there used to be. So it used it's to a, be a lot more it's a, it's a, it's a different. It's a different type of person that is in wrestling now. It's a different group of human. Right. Um, that is in wrestling now, whereas before, um, you know, you could see stuff like that a lot more. Um, right. Just because egos, what the person's lifestyle might be outside of professional wrestling. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and what their actual temper and ability to, you know, sometimes eat it is. Yeah. Right? Some people just are a lot more hot-headed than others. Right? I don't see that as much <clears throat> nowadays uh, with the groups of wrestlers that are coming in and that are currently in the business um, just because the humans that they are are different. Yeah, it seems now that there's a lot more of, uh, I, not that they weren't before, but a lot, it's a lot more like athlete driven, whereas before <coughs> it seemed like people that were real fighters or, right. or bought, you know, bouncers or you know, stuff like that, getting into it because they wanted to be physical and they wanted to look really intimidating. Whereas now there's still that, but there's, it seems like there's a lot more of the high flying and athletic sort of driven. Well, the show itself is like that. Right, right. Whereas before it was a lot more, you know, even, even if you look at wrestling, like look at old black and white wrestling and how it was very grounded. It was very, you know, still wrestling and then it got kind of you know almost gimmicky to the point right where everything had to have a an angle to it and then and but it was still grounded like wrestling and nowadays it's very athletic right you know what i mean yeah so yeah it's just they're they're it's a new breed of human man i love it
I look, I, do you still watch wrestling? Um, when I can. Yeah. You know, uh, I try to, if I'm not dying here. Holy smokes. Give me you okay? <coughs> I went down the wrong tube. Wow, remember that time I died on Jeff Leeson's show? Holy crap. That was quite an episode. Yeah. People were, people were like, wow, that guy, <laughs> was really, he selling there right? at the end? Or was he, was he really <laughs> dying? This is at work or? Crazy. <laughs> wow, that's what happens when you're drinking down the wrong tube. Um, sorry, what were you saying? Uh, I was, oh, I was saying, uh, uh, yeah, what, what the fuck was I saying? Uh, sorry, I got so concerned for you there. I was, uh, I was very, uh, I was very nervous. <coughs> I hope you're okay. I am. Here's something I've always been curious about. When you show up, right, and mm. it's like a, just an indie event, um, who is the one that decides who wins and, and loses? Is it between the wrestlers in that case, or would it be the booker and promoter? Depends. Um, for the most part, if it is a professionally run organization that you're working for, it'll be the promoter um, or the booker or, you know, if it's a big enough um, organization, you'll have an agent, right, that, right. Is, that, is, that is assigned to your match to make sure that not, not everybody's doing the same finish. And that, you know, you know what is expected of your part of the story, which is the overall show. Right. Right. Um, and then I've been on other shows where it's been like, oh, what do you want to do? You want to you want to go over or you want to put him over? And I'm like, oh, fuck. you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's just kind of annoying. I like going to a show where I know that they've got structure because that tells me that they've got a belief in their company. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have a vision for what our company wants to do, and so this is how we're going to do it. Um, are you cool with this type of a finish? And for the most part, you know, everybody is. You might, I might have, I might come in and say, eh, "I'm cool with this. Can we get to it this way instead?" Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, typically for the for that kind of stuff, if the promoter is you know smart enough. And, 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 and open enough, then he'll take the advice from somebody who's been in the business long enough. You know what I mean? But if I'm, you know, a year and a half in the business and I walk into the thing and the uh, promoter says, you're losing tonight. And I'm like, well, I really don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's not going to get you any favors. Oh, and I know what I was going to ask you before, right. uh, before you almost died. Um, do you still watch wrestling oh. and which one is, is which one do you, are you more likely to watch Shit, right now? I thought I got out of that question. Because um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why I ask. Because yeah, yeah. for me personally, I was a massive fan, like Rock Austin was my era, right? Sure. And massive fan. Now I'll watch like news, like YouTube news stuff mm -hmm. about wrestling to kind of keep up with it. But uh, the, the product, for WWE at least, for right. me, is not geared to me. It's, it's for mm -hmm. children or, you know, whatever. But so I, I have a hard time watching, like, a full show or a full pay-per-view, mm -hmm. especially with the lack mm -hmm. of fans now. It's obviously really weird. But, um, but uh, you know, I find AEW is really interesting. I've never really watched New Japan, but the clips I've seen, the, the, mm -hmm. the moves and stuff look crazy. Is there one that you are still watching? Do you kind of watch each of them, or is there one that you I, like more? I, I'm not a – so I don't – it's not destination television for me anymore. Right. You right. know what I mean? I'm not, holy shit, I got to get home because, you know, wrestling is on. Right. Um, but I still do watch when I can. Uh, it's my job. 
You know what I mean? I have to, I, I, if I'm not willing to keep up with the product that is being served to the people nowadays, then I don't feel I'm doing myself a service as a coach to the people that I'm teaching. Right. You know what I mean? Um, because that's what they're watching. You know, these kids that are coming in, we tell them all the time, watch everything, watch as much as you can, be a sponge, absorb it all, right? So if I'm not watching it, how can I expect them to? You know what I mean? So I, I do watch it when I can. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, a day late or something like that. But yeah, I, I, I still do watch. Favorite wrestler currently? Or, or the, the one you find the most interesting to watch or listen to, even just promo-wise? Uh, promo-wise right now, uh, MJF from AEW. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's killing it. The kid yeah. is doing fantastic, and the best part about it is that he doesn't leave character ever. Right. You know what I mean? Have you seen the picture of him flipping the kid off it's at the, uh, the signing? Yeah. It's Greatest. Fa it's yeah. fantastic. You Great. know what I mean? So that's, that's a dude who, who has... As we like to say, he gets it. Right. You know, there's a, there's a thing in the business where you either get it or you do not get it. Yeah. He gets it, right? And his, his promos are fantastic. And he's, he's fortunate that he gets to spend some time with, you know, <clears throat> dudes like Chris Jericho, who's a fantastic talker, fantastic psychology, yeah. knows the business in and out. So when you get a young guy like an MJF who's able to draw off of that, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. So yeah. I love watching the stuff. He makes me laugh. Yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like, not even, you, you don't even have to be a wrestling fan to find some of the shit he does just right. absolutely entertaining and yeah. hilarious. Uh, least favorite wrestler currently or all time that you just hate? Uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Nice. <laughs> yes. Why? Because uh, he's a dork. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he, also, awesome. he, also, he also told me one time that I was uh, setting the business back 20 years and I threatened to stab him. Wow. Yeah. With his own clippers? Uh, I wish. No. Yeah, oh. no, we were working on a show and, and he... Uh, had to go on after us, and it was a show where I'm doing a hardcore match. Oh, boy. And we finished doing our thing and went back up after, like, left it all in the ring. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And we go back, and the first, he, he looks right at me and says, well, you guys certainly set the business back 25 years. And I was like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker right now. I don't even care. <laughs> like, I picked up a chair, and I threw it at his face in the locker room, and wrestlers had to grab me and stuff like that and 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 there was never any kind of apology no talking afterwards nothing like that so to this day he can go fuck himself there's no better way to end than that i think the, <laughs> the man who almost beat the shit out of brutus the barber beefcake <laughs> he can go fuck himself that's great man Dude, I want to thank you so much for thank this. Thank you, man. This was so fun. I love wrestling and to kind of hear some of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and, and just hear, you know, your story has been awesome. So I really appreciate you being here, man, and thank you so much for letting us do this here at Crossbody Pro Wrestling Academy yeah, in Kitchener, Waterloo area, wherever the fuck we are right now. We're here, though. <laughs> we are here. We are here. Thank you, my brother. No problem, man. Thank you very much. Chris Tidwell, everybody. Peace. Huge thank you to Chris Tidwell for being my guest on the show today. I really appreciate him taking that time and uh, opening up. I, I really, really, I, I like I said off the top, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. So, 
So for me to be able to sit down with somebody who's been in the business for so long, seen as much as him, done so much crazy shit, uh, I, I, it was so uh, exciting for me. And, I, and I, again, I can't thank him enough. Uh, give him a follow on all social media. He also has a podcast uh, called The Godfathers of Podcasting that he hosts with a couple other guys whose names I, I uh, can't remember. And I apologize. That's my fault. Uh, but he does host that and it is fantastic. I was a guest on it. I had a great time. So check them out as well. Once again, a huge thank you to Chris Tidwell and Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yes, you, I'm talking to you, not the, no, no, not her. You. Yeah. Thanks for watching this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you chose to listen on wherever the fuck you chose to listen to it on, I appreciate it your time, you taking the time, and I really hope you appreciate it. And hey, get in touch on, uh, on, uh, where can you get in touch? Uh, where can they get in touch, Dan? Thank you. On all social media, thanks for the help, Dan. Get in touch, Jeff Leeson Comedian on Instagram, Jeff Leeson Show on Twitter, and on uh, Facebook, Jeff Leeson Comedy, jeffleesoncomedy.com if you want to find all of them. And of course, the Jeff Leeson Show right here on YouTube. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. And if you don't mind, like and share the video. That'd be fantastic too. I'd certainly appreciate it. Dan, if he forget, if he remembers how to speak at any point, he sure appreciates it too, don't you, Dan? Pigeon. Great. We'll see you next week, everybody. Fucking pigeon. <laughs>